uh, when when it comes to giving, regardless of if it's if because you have so much that it doesn't affect you to give what you have to somebody else, or if you don't have much to give, but you know that somebody needs it more than you, so you give it to them. I, I guess it depends on how you look at it. And do you think, are you doing it just because in your heart you know it's the right thing to do? Or are you doing it because you feel like something's going to come back to you for doing it? Or is it just because you want that good feeling of helping somebody out or something like that? So I guess it just depends on what your mindset is going into that, get that giving to somebody else. Mm. Well, you're talking about motivations, you know, and motivations can be different. Um, but there, there are some overlap. I think that no matter what, well, it, it, for one thing, if you are giving something because you expect it to come back to you in return, like through karma or whatever, you're probably going to be very disappointed and you won't be giving for a real long time because right. sometimes there, there is no return. You know, there is no other than a good feeling. And we've talked about that before. I think that if you are, even if you are giving just because it makes you feel good, I don't think that completely like diminishes the good thing that has happened because, because that person who you gave to still benefits from that. And you're not asking for anything externally in return you're only seeking that internal benefit those whether it's brain chemicals or just psychology or whatever happens in there after you give it, it makes you feel good that's that's part of the human condition it, but what that does is it create it, it creates a pro-social environment because i'm still doing things that are good and it's it's keeping me positive on my end and so i don't see that as a as a negative thing i see that as a positive and positive return Why, hello there, and thank you for checking into this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. Before we get started, I just want to remind all you Cerebralites out there to grab you some CEP merch. You can do that, mainly t-shirts, but we also have koozies that might uh, tickle your fancy in particular. Uh, you can get those at buyjack.com, that's B-Y-J-A-C-K.com slash C-E-P. And of course, that C-E-P stands for the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast, which also is uh, the name on the t-shirts and the koozies that you will receive. And we appreciate all your support out there. You should be sure to visit us at the launching pad for all things Cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And if you ever need to get in touch with us, you can do that at Cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And of course, we love it when you love us on the socials, so be sure to check us out. So for this episode, it's just Colt and myself giving you a Cerebral chat. We do a little Thanksgiving uh, review, a little recap, if you will. We also talk about Walmart uh, in a quite the chastising way as you shall see I'm not a big fan although it has its gravity and it keeps pulling me back in and we also catch up on uh, fitness and nutrition there toward the end so hope you enjoy the cerebral chat and yeah without further introduction here we go hey everybody welcome back to yet another riveting edition of the cerebral entertainment podcast i am james and with me as always on my computer screen is my good friend colt hey How uh, you doing, colt Riveting might be a little over the top for this one. We'll see. See what happens. I I think that anytime we hit record, things become riveting. I don't. It, the magic's there. I, I can't call it. I don't know. But maybe I'm stepping out on a limb here. But Possibly. I'm gonna step out on that limb. I'm a limb stepper. It's what I do. You better be careful out there. Yeah, I know. I've been told that before. But so anyway, man, it's good to see you. You too, man. Um, the holiday season. We just had Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, roll around a couple days ago, and so I myself have had two days of Thanksgiving, both Thursday and Friday, at my house with a house full of people, especially last night. 
the first night on Thanksgiving Day was all of my family. The second night was all of my wife's family. And uh, good times, though, right? Even though you've got a house full of people, you got everybody in one spot. And one of my favorite things is, is that my I don't have to go anywhere. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. Yes. <laughs> when you're right, when you're gonna yeah. get your belly so, full and you need a place to relax, your house is the best place. I'm already there, right? <laughs> and so it, it's cool like that. But I mean, there's a lot of work to be done, of course, when you have the you, when you're the host and you have all these people coming to your place. Uh, we did a lot of deep cleaning leading up to the holiday season, mm-hmm. which, you know, in all honesty, needed to be done anyway. So we got some deep cleaning done. The house was looking fantastic. Uh, and I always like that. I forget how, you know, I've got two young kids. And so sometimes I forget outside of this office where I'm at, because this is my room. I control this room, this one room <laughs> in my house. This is mine and it stays the way that I want it. The rest of the house I can't speak for, right? right? I just have to kind of be responsive to the needs of the house based on the chaos and the terror and the tornado-like action of my children. <laughs> um, and I forget sometimes that, hey, this house looks really great when it when it's organized and cleaned and, you know. And so there's that there's those couple of days where you're like, yeah, this is nice. So did it, get, then, to- did it get tore up pretty bad with all the people being there or no? You know, not not too bad. Not too bad. There there weren't a whole lot of like the kids are all kind of getting across the board. We don't have a lot of really, really small kids anymore. There's right. just a couple where all of my nephews, and my nieces used to be, you know, kids running around, running amok, tearing things up. They're not really like that anymore. We've got teenagers now that are that are in that group. Mm-hmm. And uh, my kids, my kids are 11 and eight, you know, and so they are getting there. They're not like completely when, when we have company over there. They, they're kind of on their best behavior, I guess, to some degree. And so that's good. But uh, the holidays were great, though. It was it was great. It was a great time seeing everybody. And the house wasn't too badly tore up. We kept the dishes, which is something new for us this time. Usually we we get through with all the festivities. Then we look at the, the big piles of dishes and the food left over and all this stuff. We tried a new method this year of keeping up as we go along mm. and it worked out really well. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I am, I'm no spring chicken anymore. Right. And so I'm finally learning some of these lessons that I should have learned a long time ago, but it's better late than never, man. And True. It, 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 it helps. It helps because after the days are done, especially day two, you're tired, right? You're, you've, you've been through a lot mm-hmm. of con- conversing and eating and running around, making sure everybody's okay. And more eating. There was a lot of eating. And by the time you get done, you're just ready to sit down and chill. Mm-hmm. And when you keep up on things as you go, it's exactly you are sandbagging. You you are preparing yourself to be able to sit down and just take a breather at the end of the day and not have to worry about things so much. Right. And so to th- this Thanksgiving was a good time of fellowship and festivities, but also an educational experience for me. <laughs> and so I bring that to the table. How was your Thanksgiving, man? How'd you guys do? Oh, honestly, we haven't done a whole lot. Um, my parents came over on Thanksgiving night. Uh, my wife made chicken and dumplings just because originally we didn't think anybody was going to be coming over. We thought it was just going to be us just hanging out. Um, last minute, just kind of invited my parents over. It's been an interesting situation this year because like my my brother-in-law is out on, um, getting ready to have surgery. So he's been down for a while. My sister has to had to go into work um, the afternoon of Thanksgiving. My dad had to work day shift 
on Thanksgiving. So like when he was getting off, my sister was going in, um, my mom was off work and stuff, but it was just, it's one of those years where it's hard to get everybody, everybody's schedules to line out, especially when you have family members who don't get holidays off all that often and things like that too. So Mm. just kind of making the best of it. We're going to do a little friends giving tonight with a few friends and, uh, we're going to do with my extended family tomorrow over at my uncle's house. But other than that, um, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I haven't really done that in a while. Like my extended family doesn't really get together that often. Um, it's just here and there, but holidays are normally when we make it happen. And, uh, it now getting up in my grandparents later years, I think it's more important for everybody. Um, just because you never know at the, you know, and I kind of feel like, I don't know, like my, my family's kind of split a little bit, um, as far as how, how they do things and how, uh, and their families are split too. So it's like everybody's pushed and pulled in all different directions. So yeah, I, and it's just been one of those, one of those interesting years that we're just kind of doing what we can to make things work. Yeah. You bring up a a good point though, as far as your grandparents getting older, you know, because I, I don't have any grandparents anymore. Mm -hmm. And my dad died in, in 2017. Dad died in October on October 3rd of 2017. And so that first Thanksgiving, that was pretty rough. Right. Right. Because it was, it wasn't just our first one without him. It was like, it only been a month. Right. That wound was still fresh. Yeah. Very fresh. Right. And so, and my family was very, very, we, we still are, we're very family oriented, right? Very centered around our, our family. And, and so when you start missing people, because to back up just a little bit, we, I, we had four family members die all in 11 months time. That's so, so in, um, yeah, November of 2016, my grandfather passed away. Then that next February, my grandma, then that June, my aunt Betty and then that October, my dad. And so that Thanksgiving right there, everything was just different, right? It was, it couldn't be more different because we had lost all those people. And so things change. And so definitely be thankful for and hold on to those people that are still here and enjoy those times because it, you know, it doesn't necessarily happen as quickly as what it did for us with four people leaving all at once. Right. And that was all on the same side. That was all on my dad's side of the family. Um, but it's just that when it does happen, things aren't, they're not the same anymore. You know, you look around and Thanksgiving in 2015 was a lot different than Thanksgiving of 2017 for sure. Right. And just, it doesn't take very long for that to change. But also something that you mentioned is the splitting off because when grandma and grandpa were still around, especially, you know, that's when my uncle and my aunt, my cousins, we would all gather at the same spot for Thanksgiving after grandma and grandpa had passed away. Definitely. There was that split. Because uncle and aunt and cousins, they're not coming over anymore. Um, and so aunt passed away as well. Um, so she wasn't going to be around anyway. But had she not passed or had grandma and grandpa not passed away, we would have still met for that. You know, it would have been a, a, big, a bigger unit. Right. And so time changes things. Right. As we as we age and time goes on, the changes that happen cause splits and, and they cause those massive. You know, it, it just amends everything in your life. And the holidays really are a stark example of that, right? Because the holidays, when, when the gatherings just change, you, you know, because now it's it's my immediate family. Well, my my wife, my kids, of course, my mom and my sisters and, and their kids typically. 
but the extended family where we lost that connection as far as the holidays go together because grandma and grandpa are gone. Right. Right. And so it's just, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a weird shift that you have to get used to, but I've always tried to be the, I've always tried to be strong, of course, and, and try to lead the family uh, into the perspective that look, it, it sucks. It's sad mm-hmm. that we lost all of our people, you know, of course, especially our father missing him is, is very tough, especially around the holidays. But we now have this opportunity to, to make this our own. Right. Right. And so ever, ever since dad passed away, we started having Thanksgiving at my house because at first it was too hard to have it at mom's. It was just, it was too difficult. There was too many memories. It was going to be a big cry fest. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah. I was going to ask you that a while ago is that I I was pretty sure that you guys adopted, uh, having everybody at your place after your dad had passed. I wasn't sure if that's what caused it or what happened. Yeah, that's, that's what caused it, especially that first year. Cause like I said, dad died in October. We had Thanksgiving and then Christmas, bam, Mm -hmm. bam. That first year, we had both of those holidays here at my house because, once again, it wasn't. And it it was that we didn't want to have to deal with it at mom's uh, and dad's because dad wasn't there anymore. But also, mom was in a state where she wasn't trying to. My mom, she's like the homemaker type where she, you know, cooks and cleans and all that stuff, and she just wasn't ready for all that either. We didn't want to put her through all that. But now we're having Christmas back at her house again, but we're we're keeping Thanksgiving here. Okay, right and. So it's it's an opportunity is my point. Right. Um, an, an opportunity even in the face of definitely unfavorable circumstances that you can still take it and, and, and do the best that you that you can with what you've got. Right. And so we don't just focus on the fact that dad's not here anymore. We also focus on what we're thankful for. And that's that the rest of us still are right now because that it's always subject to change, you know. Right. Yeah, Thanksgiving has so. always been kind of up in the air um, as far as where we do it and all those kinds of things. But now, I think especially the next couple of years are going to get really weird because, so like it used to be my mom and my 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 parents and my grandparents live right next to each other, uh, used to. And my grandparents lived in that house for years and years. And it Christmas was, you get up and you go to mom's and you do breakfast and presents and everything at mom's. And then you go back home and you do what you need to, you, you know, take a nap or whatever you need to do for the day. And then we go back to grandma's, which is right next to my mom's um, at their house. Well, it got to a certain point to where my grandparents got older and couldn't really take care of the farm anymore and that kind of a thing. So they moved into a condo not too far into town. Mm-hmm. And the condo ha- or the condo has like a big house is what they call it in the middle, um, which is basically just like a, a big living room with a kitchen and all that kind of stuff too. And uh, you can rent it out. So what they would do is they still wanted to have Christmas, even though they weren't at their house anymore. So we would use the big house. And it's fine. I mean, you still have your whole family there and everything, but it's different because it's not grandma and grandpa's house anymore, right? Sure. So now we're in a situation where it kind of things have kind of rotated for Christmas, like through my aunt and uncle's house or my other uncle's house or my mom and dad's. And now um, we're in a position where not only my grandparents older, but my family is retiring and looking to downsize in their houses and stuff now, too. So my parents are looking to sell their place here before long. My uncle's looking to sell his place before long. So it's like the next couple of years, I have no idea where anything's going to be or how anything's going to go. And it's just like, just like the cosmos is blown wide open. Like we have no idea what's going to happen over the next couple of years. Mm. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. It's, it's once again, an opportunity because you have a dilemma. The dilemma is we don't have enough space for all these people anymore because everybody's 
selling their bigger houses and moving into smaller places. But who knows? Who knows what will happen? It's an opportunity to, I, I don't know, maybe maybe rent my house for a large sum of money so you can host it here. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs> okay. Just throw that out there. You know, I'd be happy to do that. You're, so definitely, you're, de- you're definitely a good businessman. I don't, I don't think you're supposed to throw a large sum of money out there like right away. Well, sp- I can't do it for a small sum of money. <laughs> you're supposed to you're supposed to lead up with for a very sizable but affordable amount of money. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could work on a payment plan. I don't know. You you didn't let me finish, right? So we'll figure it out. <laughs> but yeah, Thanksgiving, I, you know, I, we have so much to be thankful for and I just kind of, you know, a lot of things are getting broken open from the time when we were kids. Uh, we were kind of fed lines of, of BS about how, like, the, the beginnings of the country and things like that, the things that had happened, like Christopher Columbus, for instance, being the discoverer right. of uh, America uh, when there was already, you know, a million people here or whatever, hundreds of thousands at least of natives. Um, Thanksgiving kind of, I, I see that kind of creeping open too. There's kind of a thing where, yeah, we're being thankful for, you know, coming and having turkey with the natives and then giving them blankets and killing them off or, or you know, pushing them off their lands and, and killing them in other ways, whatever. But um, I still think Thanksgiving is a very important holiday, though, because we still once again have the opportunity to take it for something positive, right, to use it for a positive purpose to sit back and be thankful for the things that we have, because I think that's important. And so I, I try to wake up with gratitude every day now. And one of the, one of the, it may even be a meme that, that I got it from, but one of the, the sayings or quotes that I remember kind of etched, etched in my mind to keep me going is that when you have, when you fill your heart or your mind with gratitude, there's not much room for anything else. And Joe Burrow might have even talked about this last last week when we, we uh, recorded with him. Um, but I try to fill my 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 heart and my head with gratitude so that I can't have too much negativity creeping in. And Thanksgiving is a, a really just like the culmination of that. It's a time where you actually get together with the people that you're close to, the people that you love. And I, I love food. I love turkey. You know, I love all that too. And it's just a, it's just a good time. It's my favorite holiday of the year without all the hustle bustle of Christmas. It, it's just the food and the family, and that's why I. It's my favorite holiday of the season of the, of the entire year, and so I, I had a happy Thanksgiving. Got a lot to be thankful for. Did you reflect at all on on the, the things that you are gra- you're grateful for the the thankfulness that you have in your heart? That's an interesting question. To be honest, okay. I don't know. I well, if, I mean, I just just because I, I guess it's the this is the time of year where you see it on social media and stuff like that too, where they're just like things telling you that you should be, this shouldn't be the only day of the year that you're thankful for everything that you have or the whole uh, Mm -hmm. thing. Like it's interesting how we have, you know, everybody's going to the store and beating the crap out of each other the day after they're talking about how thankful they are for everybody and everything and this, that and the other. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, for the most part, I, I'm, I think I'm the same way as you. I try I've been trying to make a conscious effort to think about the things in my life that that would be hard to live without or and how thankful I am to have those things or in those people and things like that too. And just in general, trying to think about any situation that I'm in, trying to pull the good out of situations versus, you know, looking at all the, the, 
bad in each situation, I guess you could say. And I don't know if those things tie together really, but yeah, I don't know. I, I've just, I, I've been, I've been make, trying to make a conscious effort here lately on several different things as far as that goes. And it, it, it's mainly just, I guess, trying to be a better person in general, but also like freeing my mind of any negativity that I can and trying to find any good in anything that is coming my way. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you've got a, you've got a, a great point there. This is why I'm extrapolating from what you just said though. So it, it, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we shouldn't just try to, or, or we shouldn't just uh, push our gratitude into one single day. We should be thankful all the time. Right. right. And so what it sounds like you're saying is that Thanksgiving isn't, it, it's, it's a, it's a fine holiday, but it, kind of the the I guess the uh, significance maybe is a little bit diminished because you are being grateful all the time you're trying to be grateful all the time right and so does the, does that diminish the holiday for you a bit does it take away some of the intensity of the thankfulness because of that not necessarily because I still have the fact that society has pushed Thanksgiving on us so hard for all of our life that it's like mm-hmm. it's still that day is that day and you should you should feel even more thankful that day versus the rest of the year right so it's like whether i want to whether i want it to take anything away or not it doesn't or it yeah it doesn't because it's just how i've always felt it's just like christmas like christmas day is christmas day it's just that mm. you get that feeling that day right so yeah i don't think it necessarily pulls anything away from it but should it maybe possibly because we should be think we should be thankful all year long versus just that one day. But I don't know. I I think one of the main points for me is that it is a time where we collaboratively as a group, as a family or, or friends or whomever you get with, we get together and we are thankful at the same time. It's a group effort. Like throughout the year, the rest of the year, I'm kind of on a, you know, it's in my head, in my own self. I'm on a kind of a solo gratitude project all the time. I wake up and fill my head with gratitude so that I don't have, so I have less negativity coming in and therefore less negativity trying to come out in my behavior. And so as on Thanksgiving, on, on, a, on a day like that, it's where we all come together and kind of unify as one family unit or however you want to look at it without getting too cheesy, but it's like we get in a way become thankful. And I think there's some strength behind that. I think it strengthens us as a as a family. Or once again, I, family could be used useless or uh, could be used loosely. Um, whoever you consider family, it could be friends. It could be going out. Homeless people is a great thing to do, right on Thanksgiving, something like that. Whatever unifies your thankfulness and kind of uh, amplifies it on that day, I think could have it could have uh, it could resonate throughout the rest of your, the, the year and your life. And so I think it's just like one of those days that where, like you said, you should, it should be really thankful on that day, you know, as opposed to just filling your head with gratitude as a, as a useful tool, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you put it about as good as I could possibly put it. I think and you, you probably use better okay, words than I did. Cause I was just trying to think through it as I, cause I, I haven't really thought about that. I don't guess like I've just always thought about, okay, yeah. Thanksgiving, Today, I need to be extra thankful for everything that I have, even though I should also be thankful the rest of the year as well. Yeah. So what's your thoughts on Black Friday, though? Because you even mentioned it. You're like, okay, so we're thankful this day. And it's not even the next day anymore. It's like as soon as you get done eating turkey, 
and you're loosening your belt buckle a little bit, then it's time to run out because they have Black Friday has infiltrated into Thanksgiving Thursday. Right. Uh, so do you have any do you have any thoughts, uh, positive, negative or, or neutral on the Black Friday marketing craze that is uh, inherent within our commercial society? I don't I don't know really either way. I'm I've never been the type I say I've never been the type to actually shop on Black Friday, but I kind of have. But it's never been for like I'm going to go out and buy all my Christmas gifts or anything like that. Or I'm going to go punch somebody in the face because I need to tickle me Elmo. It's more of a I'm I need this thing and it's going to be cheaper on Black Friday. So I'm going to buy it. But do you think that um, and I'm sure there's stats to show this, but do you think that the whole craze of going out and doing all the shopping has really reduced because of people buying things online now? I think it's cut into it a little bit because there, because there's some, there's was uh I think maybe even Walmart this week started their black Friday sale, like on Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. Well, see the way Walmart does that is that they have a lot of things you can buy like online like that, but there are certain TVs that you got to be at the store to get. You got to be there that night because you can only get the the 65 inch Vizio TV for two ninety nine on black or, or on that evening usually evening before I think which Thanksgiving evening they started I think they opened up at like I don't know four or something like it was something stupid six I think but so so they still want you in the store they still want that craze coming in but I've always just bought like I usually buy dress clothes because I, I need dress clothes for that's that's most of my time I'm dressed up. And uh, for work and whatnot. And I usually get online and I buy dress clothes Thanksgiving evening online. I don't go out into the Friday, Black Friday craze because I don't like I don't like going out to stores in the first place. Right. Right. I, I can't stand Walmart. I can't stand being there when it's not really that crowded. Right. I am not going to put myself in a situation where I have to be shoulder to shoulder with hundreds of people who are after the same thing as me. I'm just, I don't have it in me. Right. I just, it's not worth it to me. Mm-hmm. I'll wait. I'll, I'll buy the TV more expensive because so, so, so you don't like, you don't like shopping in general, like whether it's grocery shopping or it's just walking around a store, like going to a mall or anything like that. You're not, you're not a guy that likes to shop. Not really. No, but gotcha. there are certain things. There are certain things about Walmart that we got to clear up here. Right. Okay. So, so for instance, when I'm walking, here's one thing they do. Walmart does this and I, I can see their marketing. I, I can see, I can see what they're doing, right? I get it. Mm-hmm. They, they put, they put some, some psychology, shopping psychology behind where they place certain things. Mm-hmm. And so instead of having a nice wide aisle, right, where people, you can have two way traffic, they bottleneck you by putting these displays and these in caps and things like that, whether it's batteries or whether they put, in the holidays, they put the the popcorn buckets out there and all that crap, and they put those in the walkway so that if I'm walking and there's barely enough room for two people to go opposite ways, right? It's barely two-way traffic in the first place. But you've got someone who's in front of you, and a lot of times it, it they, they are of the older demographic, <laughs> right? They are some of our geriatric folk, which I don't want to pick on, but it just so happens to be that when you get behind some of them anyway, they're creeping along. Mm-hmm. I hope I live long enough to creep along, but you know that's beside the point. I'm behind you. I'm almost always in a hurry to get out of Walmart just because I, it, it just starts to wear on me. I used to be a lot worse. I'm calmer now, but I used to really kind of freak out a little bit 
while at Walmart, but you get behind somebody and they want to stop and they want to look at this display in the middle of the walkway. Well, of course they do. There's things there by. And so Walmart sets it up to where you have to be behind this person. I wonder if Walmart is trying to drive some insanity into us as people. I know what they're doing. They're putting stuff in your way. So you stop and look at it while you're walking. Yeah, but you're, you're, like the but, but you're saying somehow they are placing people in front of you as well. Because, no. you, because oh, okay, you're just saying it's a, a byproduct of what's happening. Well, well, think about it, though. They're not actually placing that person. like They're not physically well, lifting no. that old lady up and putting her in the way. But are they putting that display up there so that people will stop and look? Yes. Okay. They, I, I, what, they are, okay. what they are doing, their, their motive is to slow you down and get you to look at as many things as possible before you actually get to the checkout. Hence the impulse buy sections, right? Right. Um, and, and that's what they do. And they've done this throughout the entire store. Let me let me say one more time how much I, I hate Walmart. I wish I wish I didn't have to be at Walmart. Walmart it, it has its gravity. It sucks you in with all their you know their all their cheaply made goods. Um, there's just a lot of convenience and benefit to going to Walmart. But at the same time, I curse Walmart almost the entire time I'm there because unless I'm there at like one o'clock in the morning, which is great because it's it's very empty then. But otherwise, I just hate it. So that's that's a normal day at Walmart for me. All right. So Black Friday is. Out of the question completely. Right. There's no way I'm doing that. And on top of that, I, I hate I hate the philosophy behind it. Like you mentioned earlier, you, you're thankful, you know, up until six o'clock in the evening on Thanksgiving Day. But then you go out and you and you're going to maul people and trample over those who are weaker than you on the floor because you want that 65 inch TV. Right. I hate that. I hate it. Yeah. So do you do you guys do you guys shop at Walmart though? Like, is that where you get most of your stuff, or do you try to go to other places? I try as much as possible to go other places, but Walmart still sucks you in. Yeah. For one thing, it's really convenient in our hometown here. It's really convenient. There's not a whole lot going on. You know, when Walmart moves into a town, which this has already happened, but rewind back 15, 20 years ago, when Walmart would come into a town, it would start, you'd see all the mom and pop shops, all the other places start to shut down because Mm -hmm. they can't compete. Walmart sucked up all the competition. They just demolished that. And so they pretty much give you no choice but to end up going to Walmart. Now there are still some other options, a few, not many around in this area. Walmart's definitely going to suck you in. So yeah, we go, we go there. Okay. Do you do, do you actually do the shopping or do you do the pickup? I still do the shopping, but okay. some, when my wife does the pickup order, she, I, I'll go and pick it up sometimes for her. Gotcha. I've actually done it myself. And that's, that's another thing. I, I was kind of against the pickup for a while, but as you unpack some of the, uh, I guess, the philosophy behind it, if you will, it keeps you out of the impulse sections. It keeps you out of the the displays right in the middle of the aisle. There's a lot less hatred in my heart for humanity when I don't have to walk into the store. Well, and I guess I need to do some research on it to find out exactly what the reasoning is behind why they're doing the pickup. Like, I understand that it's more convenient for people. And maybe they feel like in the long run, they're going to get more people buying things because it's easier to just do it online and then go pick it up. But the way they do things does not seem like beneficial to Walmart for me. Like you you just said that you get rid of the impulse buys and things like that by not going into the store. So, Mm -hmm. So it's more convenient for the consumer because they can just go in there online do exactly what they want. And a lot of times like it saves like the things that you bought before. So all you got to do is just go in there. And if you, if you buy the same things every week, you just buy the same things every week. So it seems like they're losing money off the impulse buys and 
by just, you know, being in the store and seeing something on their way to getting what they want. And then also how they do it when they replace something or they substitute something that you that they didn't have that you needed. Like just this week, we bought a bag of a three pound bag of dog food and they didn't have it. So they gave us a 14 pound bag. Yeah. I'm like, like I can understand you giving me a substitute, like another three pound bag of a different brand, but you just gave me, you know, quadruple the amount that we were going to originally buy. And you gave it to me for the same price. So I don't yeah. know if that's like a, a strategy as far as that sucks you in more or if it, because it, I don't know, it just seems like all around, it's not a very good practice for a business. I mean, does okay. that make sense? Yeah, it's good questions. I think for one thing, they are, Walmart had to change. This this wasn't just, you know, some big idea from an executive saying, you know what we should do? We should um, start having people come pick it up and, and not come in our store. I think it's more in response to things like Amazon and, and other like uh, delivery type of services because you can you can buy just about everything online nowadays right and not have to get out of your house except for maybe just some of the you know for milk and things like that and as far as you, you might be able to buy milk on amazon i don't know but i think i think walmart had to be responsive to the changing times right and so that's why things like pickup and delivery because that walmart delivers now right there's there's a charge to it but mm-hmm. for some people it's totally worth it and so I think they're just being responsive to the to everyone else's the, the change in times once so, again. So it's almost like it's not that they're really looking to make more money off of doing it. It's more of keeping people buying from Walmart versus buying from Amazon or something like that. Yeah, right. So in the long run, they they, they, they technically are making more money because people are going go, still going to them versus going to Amazon or somebody like that. Right. Interesting. And as far as as far as the dog food. Uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they're not losing much on giving you a a bigger bag of dog food. It may add up over time, but once again, what they're doing is they're being responsive to the customer's needs and it's better for them to lose a little bit on tripling the amount of dog food you get versus if they just didn't give it to you or they give you a smaller bag, Mm -hmm. um, and it didn't give you what you want then you're going to start second guessing whether or not you're going to go back to Walmart for this, this pickup. So it's all about just keeping us reeled in, just keeping, it's better to keep the customer one way or the other for the most part, as long as you're it's still profitable to, in, in the, in the grand scheme of things. Right. But it's better to keep customers coming back than them away. Right. Obviously, even if, even if you're going to, you're going to lose a little bit here and there, you still want the customers coming in the door. Have you heard of the thing that Walmart's getting ready to implement? Um, I think it's next year. Um, it, it's delivery, but they're actually will come into your house and put the groceries away for you. Have you heard about this yet? No, but that's absolutely ridiculous. So I was completely against it at first because I was like, this is scary more than anything to have a stranger just come into your house and be rummaging, you know, rummaging through your things. But once I, it still, it still seems scary, but once I heard everything that goes with it, it kind of makes more sense for a generation that is going to be completely against it. So the older people, like, uh, you know, some elderly people that may be living in a condo or maybe, you know, just living in a smaller home or something like that, that, that don't want to get out and go to the store and buy stuff and then bring it back home and then lug it into their house and all that kind of stuff. What Walmart will do is they set up a camera in your kitchen. 
and the camera connects to a phone or whatever to where even if you're not home, you can see exactly what that person from Walmart is doing in your house. So you can watch them the entire time they're in there and there's a keypad on the door. And every time they come in, they have a key, uh, the key code to it. They type it in, they come in, and then as soon as they leave and lock it, the key code changes to where they can't just turn around and come back in whenever they want. So it makes sense, and it's kind of cool. The The idea is kind of cool, but it's still scary because they're still, com- they're still coming into your house, and if a burglar wants to come into your house, they're going to come into your house. So regardless of if that's key, that key code's there or not, if they come into your house and they see things that they want or, and they're going to rob from you, they're going to rob from you regardless versus if they, they wouldn't have seen those things before if you didn't do that. You know what I'm saying? And also mm-hmm. the, I don't know, I, I just think, I think this will benefit the older generation a lot more, but I think they're going to be the ones that are most against doing it in the first place. Yeah. No, I agree. It's just it's just such a weird shift all across the board, right? Because it to to some degree, Walmart's checkout whole schematic, right? Where you go in and you you pay for your you scan your own stuff, right? I was so against those for such a long time, and I, I refused to do it because, and people would even say, "Hey, our self checkout, you know, uh, kiosk or whatever are open." And I'd be like, yeah, and that should be other people's jobs that are over here checking out my stuff. I don't work here. You've heard that one too. Um, so I was so against it for a while, but finally they they wore me down because they only had three aisles open. They've still they still have twenty checkout aisles in Walmart. They haven't taken them out, but only three of them or four of them are manned. Right. right? And right. so eventually I'm like, okay, you got me. I'll go check out my own stuff. Now I do it, and it's it's automatic. It's where I'm going. And so they they're making me do it myself in the store. But if I want to stay at home and put a keypad on my door and watch somebody else bring my groceries and actually put them up for me, they'll do that. Right. So that's an interesting dichotomy there. Well, I always, I've always, I've always had that same thought that you're talking about because I I always thought it would be a good idea. And something may, I may have talked about this before and there may be places that actually do it already, but I feel like if you have to check your own stuff out or if you have to bag your own stuff, then you should get a certain discount off of the things that you are buying because you are having to put into in work into this. Like Walmart is now not having to pay somebody to be at the end of that line to check all your stuff out. You actually have to do it on your own. So I, I feel like you're making the consumer do work on their own when they shouldn't have to. And if they do, then you should be giving them something in return for making them work. Yeah. I, I think they might also be offsetting the uh, because they they don't have as many people working the aisles, so that la- the the money they're not putting into that offset some of the money they're losing for other things like having someone deliver your your food to the grocery store. I mean, how how are they mitigating that cost? I got gotcha, you. It yeah. must be because because they're saving money in other spots, and it goes back to being responsive in the first place to the marketplace, trying to keep up with other companies in the market who are making things very convenient. Walmart's having to follow that same, well, a similar model. And and so they have to cut costs over here in order to be able to justify those other uh, expenses that they're going to to have to eat. Right. And so it's, it's just a, it's a weird shift in what we're seeing. And I don't know, I I don't, for the most part, I, I don't like change anyway. I fear change. Right. And so, 
anytime they put in those, those self-checkouts, I resisted for a long time. Finally, I give in. The pickup, because I, I was against it for a while, I'm like, you know, they're just trying to make us into a lazier class of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, it's given us more free time. Right, but what do they want us to do with that time? I don't think it's I don't think it's actually free time. If you if you buy into my conspiracy like mindset here, I don't think it's actually free time that the man or whomever you want to characterize it as is giving us. I think it's more time to be productive, right? For so that we can be productive and, and be good citizens and churn out more products and things like that. So that's kind of where I, I ended up leaning. Yeah, but that's so little amount of time, like to be turning that into productivity, right? Like you're you're talking a couple of minutes to go pick up groceries versus going into the store and doing it, but it's still not that much. I mean, I guess I guess it is. Maybe not. I don't know. I, I guess yeah. I'm I guess I'm torn. I'm torn with that because, and I guess I'm torn because it the possibility of using that time to be productive in a different way is there, but are people actually going to use that time to be productive versus you know what I'm saying like oh well I don't have to go into Walmart now I can do this instead. Or is it more of, oh, I don't have to go into Walmart now. Cool, I can just hang out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, like sure. people probably have the mindset more of, I don't, I can, I don't have to do as much because I don't have to go into Walmart now. Versus, oh, now I have more time to do something else. It, it's it's a good. You got a great point. And so probably let's let's try and shape this, mold it in a different way, as opposed to productivity. It's probably geared more toward consumerism, more consumerism. So I don't have to go into Walmart and shop. Therefore, I can sit down in front of the TV and watch all the commercials and the ads coming my way or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Maybe it's geared more toward more consumerism. That's that's probably the point. Because usually if, you, if you're looking at anything in our society, it usually leads back to how somebody can make more money, mm-hmm. how they can advertise to us, make more money. So I would say probably instead of productivity, we should shape it as consumerism that somehow, some way, and we might not even know all the mechanics behind it, what's going on exactly. But I just have my suspicions that it has something to do with somebody making a lot more money off of us. I gotcha. There's something there. But yeah. at any rate, I, I could rail on that. And, and it's, it's unfortunate that the, the topic of Thanksgiving also comes with a heavy topic of massive consumerism. That's been my problem with Christmas for a very, very long time. It's just because when I grew up, it, it, Christmas was like, it was magical, right? It was a magical thing for me. I loved Christmas. And it wasn't just the gifts. It was, you know, I used to just lay by my Christmas tree on the floor because it was just this magical tree that suddenly was up in my living room. And it it just had this mystique mm-hmm. and it had a gravity to it, a draw to it. I loved it. And I loved the Christmas, uh, you know, watching uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on TV and all that stuff. And then there was the gifts. The gifts were obviously a great part of it, too. But at some point in my life, it's just like I just became very bitter about the way that that consumerism has just infiltrated things like Christmas for me. And maybe it's always been that way, at least throughout my lifetime. I just was too young, didn't have the perspective to notice it. But I definitely think it's gotten worse. Um, And so it's just a shame that holidays like Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and any holiday for that matter is just so consumerism based it's just all about somebody's making money off of us and i hate that yeah but would christmas be christmas if that didn't happen right like if it wasn't would you when you were younger would you have that same feeling if there weren't going to be gifts under that tree which falls into what you're talking about yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know if uh if it's just a matter of my perspective or if it's uh, 
a matter of the societal shift um, in, into a heavier consumer-based holiday perspective le- leading into, into Christmas. I, I think, though, that and I can only speculate because um, we, we didn't grow up. I didn't. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. We weren't. We never went hungry, but we didn't have as much as what a lot of other people did, and we had more than what others did as well. But if I would have just had one or two gifts as opposed to five or six under the tree, I think it would have just been as magical. I think it would have been just as magical because there were there were other so many other things that part of that magic and the gifts were part of it, but they weren't the the whole of it. The gifts weren't what captivated me the most. The gifts under the tree being wrapped, the mystery behind that, mm-hmm. that was something. There right. was something to that. But the gifts themselves, they were they were fun, they were cool, but you could have given me gifts anytime. But it wouldn't have had all of the um, the same uh, just the, the same magic behind all the other parts of, of Christmas with the tree and the music and the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and the mystery of the wrapped gifts and the family and all of that. I think put that all together. That was the magic of Christmas. Right. And that, that's what I'm saying. Like if you get gifts all year long, does that take magic away from Christmas? Just like if you're thankful all year long, does that take some away from Thanksgiving because it's not, you're not saving everything up for that one day for that magic, as you say. Yeah. Well, I, I think you got to take it back uh, on Christmas. I think you got to take the magic back, if you will, um, make it about the family time, you know, try try to stop consumerism at least to some degree. And my, cause I'd say my kids are spoiled. They get too much throughout the year. They do. They've got a, their own playroom. And it's just full of crap toys, you know. <laughs> that it, it's just it, it's ridiculous, right? And I, and I feel I, I want to step back. I want to back out of that to some degree. We have, we have started buying them less and giving some of their older toys away at, at every opportunity we can. We just sent home my, my little baby cousin a bucket full of toys when she came over to visit for Thanksgiving, she went home with a bunch of the toys out of the playroom Nice, because they don't have as much as what we do. We have too much crap. And so try to, you know, try to funnel some of that in, into the right ways and just, just a, a perspective shift, I think is important there. So how, you know? how do your kids react? How does your kids react to that, that you gave their toys away or have you instilled that in them? And if you have, what, what is it about, that whole situation that you've instilled into them? Is it just a matter of they don't have as much as we do and it's, it's a good, it's a good thing to do, or is it more of, well, you don't need these anymore. Or, you know, how how do you, how do you explain that situation to your kids? Kind of all the above, but I try to focus heavily on the, uh, the act of giving period. Right. Uh, Especially if it's something that they, you know, it's not something that they continuously play with still. It couldn't do that to them. But it's something that, you know, I want them to give away stuff that that they do care about to some degree. Right. Because that's that's when you truly give is when you give something that has some value to you as well. And you have to sacrifice that. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. They they could land in the trash and you wouldn't care if you don't care about it. Right. Right. Uh, It it has to be something that means something for for that act to give. And so I'm I'm constantly the, the part of it's not just trying to get rid of junk. It's, it's, I use it as an educational experience for my kids to say, okay, now this is why we give like for someone who doesn't have as much. It also is just a good thing to give. Uh, it makes us feel good and we should be like that to all people as much as possible. 
so it, there's an, that educational component to giving away their extra toys as well. It's not just us unloading their room full of crap, you know. So I use that as an experience for them as well and try to teach them better. Right. It's a work in progress, to be honest with you. Like I said, my kids are spoiled. And unfortunately, I do, we don't we don't mean to do it. It's just that it's it happens. So I'm trying to I'm trying to back out and and teach them a little better as we as we do it. So so something like that. Are are you are you glad that the process has gone this way that you've kind of gone in too deep as far as spoiling them and now you're trying to back out? Or do you wish that you would have had a little bit better grasp on it before it got to a certain point to where they are spoiled? Yeah, yeah, definitely the second one. I wish I'd have been doing that. It's a live and learn situation. Honestly, which it's, a kids, le- it's a learning process for you too, I'm sure. Just as being absolutely. a parent. Right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And, and I, I've got a story behind that too, when I was a kid, but it's it's not like my kids are like super bratty spoiled, right. you know, they're, they're not like that. And and, and we don't have a, a whole lot of money. We, we live comfortably. We live pretty well. Um, but we live, you know, we have bills and stuff like that too. We stress out over that obviously, but I, I myself am probably spoiled as, as far as, you know, just life in general. I didn't grow up spoiled, but I, a story that I have is that, you know, I used to collect He-Man. You know what He-Man are? Mm-hmm. Um, that was really big when I was a, a, a small kid. And I, everything that I got was He-Man related. And uh, at one point in time, I, I, I was probably eight, almost nine. I stopped playing with them. I started playing baseball and other sports and things like that, riding my bike. I didn't have a lot of time to be sitting around playing with figurines. And so my mom and dad gave a lot of my He-Man away to a, a kid that we knew that didn't have very much. And I resented them for that for a minute because I really liked those He-Men. But they had the wherewithal to know that I didn't play with them anymore and that he didn't have anything to play with like I did. And we back then, we were living broke. We were living pretty poor. We had moved away to another city, and we didn't have anything going on hardly at all. We were struggling. So much so that people were leaving boxes of food, food items on our porch that we could, we didn't know who it was for the longest time. It was a, another church that had been unbeknownst to us collecting the food and bringing it to our doorstep because they knew that we were struggling that bad. So what age, we were, what age was this for you? I was eight. Eight. So, so did you, nine. did you understand what was going on at that time? Like, did you understand that you were struggling? Were you old enough to understand that? To a degree, to to the degree that an eight-year-old can. I knew that we were getting food left on our doorstep, and that wasn't typical. Right. You know, I, I heard mom and dad talking and heard dad talking about having to get a job, you know, like driving a bus or whatever he could get because we just, we were struggling. So I knew it to that degree. But even though we were struggling that much, my mom and dad still had the wherewithal to give someone else who had less some of my toys, Right. And that was a hard lesson for me because I thought about it later years. I'm like, you know, those things ended up being worth some money. If I, <laughs> if I could have saved on, if I could have hung on to them, I could have sold those bad boys and made something. But the lesson, the lesson was still very poignant. It was still very, you know, it was a stark uh, reminder that you you have to give, not when you've got so much that it doesn't affect you, right? When you give, you need to give because it it does cause you to have to sacrifice. And that's where the true gift of, of you giving is 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 really is paid back to you internally, right? Because that's when the giving actually means something, not when you have so much that it doesn't hurt. Yeah, that that's an interesting topic that can I think you can get deep into because, and it might be something we've talked about before. I don't know when when it comes to giving, regardless of if it's if because you have so much that it doesn't affect you to give what you have to somebody else. 
or if you don't have much to give, but you know that somebody needs it more than you, so you give it to them. I, I guess it depends on how you look at it. And do you think, are you doing it just because in your heart, you know, it's the right thing to do? Or are you doing it because you feel like something's going to come back to you for doing it? Or is it just because you want that good feeling of helping somebody out or something like that? So I guess it just depends on what your mindset is going into that, get that giving to somebody else. Mm. Well, you're talking about motivations, you know, and motivations can be different. Um, but there, there are some overlap. I think that no matter what, well, it, it, for one thing, if you are giving something because you expect it to come back to you in return, like through karma or whatever, you're probably going to be very disappointed and you won't be giving for a real long time because right. sometimes there, there is no return. You know, there is no other than a good feeling. And we've talked about that before. I think that if you are, even if you are giving just because it makes you feel good, I don't think that completely like diminishes the good thing that has happened because, because that person who you gave to still benefits from that. And you're not asking for anything externally in return. You're only seeking that internal benefit, those, whether it's brain chemicals or just psychology or whatever happens in there after you give it, it makes you feel good. That's, that's part of the human condition. It, but what that does is it, cre- it, it creates a pro-social environment because I'm still doing things that are good and it's, it's keeping me positive on my end. And so I don't see that as a, as a negative thing. I see that as a positive and positive return. Right. As long as you're not now, doing it just for your own sake, it, you are, you, you, it's not a bad thing that you're getting a good feeling out of giving that something to somebody else. As long as that good feeling is coming from the, the good feeling that they're getting from getting it versus you're just giving it to somebody else just so you can get a good feeling of I did something. Yeah. Well, I mean, and even if you are though, if you continue to give, what's wrong with that? True. I mean, yeah, I, I get it. I guess just the intention is, is a little off. Not, not that it's a bad thing. It's just that the, the intention of you doing it is a little off. In my opinion, though, if it, it's something internal that would, that the person has anyway, that they feel good because they, I'll, I'll relate to my, my industry. Like I often train staff. I ask them, why is it that we, that we work? Why, why are you here at this job? And it always comes back to, well, I have to have a paycheck. I have to live. And so I, I take that question and I put it back to them in, in a way that I say, well, you could be you could be in another industry. You could be in sales. You could be in the restaurant industry. You could do this or that. But you're in healthcare. Why? Why is it that we're in healthcare then? Well, let's be more specific. And it kind of boils down to well, p- certain people get an internal reward from helping others, right? And they they get that satisfaction, that life satisfaction, because they know what they do isn't just. It's not you know waiting tables or it's not selling clothes or cars or whatever the case may be. The reward is being able to help a sick person or being able to guide someone who has mental health issues through, through a depressive period or to help them to, to, you know, cope with their anxiety, whatever the case may be. And so there's, there's that internal reward that people in that particular industry, and there's other industries where you could, you know, you could say that people get this kind of reward as well. But there's a particular thing that happens internally inside of that person that kind of is the motivator. It's the fuel for them. It fuels them to keep coming back every day, even though they feel like crap, even though they're tired, even though working with people could be stressful because they get that internal gas, the internal fuel from helping other people. It, it drives them to keep coming back. And I think there must be a certain type of person that has that particular engine inside of them it, to, to take that fuel and, and to make that into enough energy to get through another day working with someone who needs our help. 
And right. so I think that giving is kind of the same way if it works that way, which I think most people who give don't give for selfish purposes. I think that that's probably a small minority of people. But even if that gift or that giving of, of whatever it is, is, is they just use it because they want that fuel that drives them because they want to feel better about themselves and they don't expect anything else like externally in return. I still think it's a pro-social thing to do. And if that is your intention, it's still better to give than to not give. Right. right. Because if you say that, well, this person's intention is just they have selfish motives because they want that internal satisfaction of knowing that they give something, but still better they give than not, you know. Right. So intention, intention or not, hopefully you can realign your intentions with your, you know, with what is ethically right. Well, do but you, if not, keep giving. Do you think the thought process gets skewed? Like you were talking about the healthcare thing and why is somebody in healthcare? Do you think that that, that kind of gets skewed in today's world because of how they're attaching dollar amount of wage to, to what you're doing? Like you're saying you could be, you could be in healthcare making $10 an hour, or you could be in, you know, a, a Walmart making $10 an hour. And you know, you have this whole big McDonald's thing now where they all want to make like $15 an hour to do the same thing as a construction worker might be doing, even though it's not near as much work, that kind of a thing. Do you think the thought process gets skewed somewhere there? Because now we're attaching a dollar amount wage to everything that we're doing. And we're trying to compare between what, you know, different fields, different things that people are doing based off of what they're making? I think the dollar sign skews everything, honestly. And I think that healthcare workers don't make nearly enough. I think I think if anybody should be out there rattling on about making $15 an hour, it should be the staff that work for us, you know, because, and there should be more money being filtered into that through the, uh, the different, you know, the government, things like that. It, it, healthcare is so much more important than McDonald's. As a matter of fact, McDonald's is causing a lot of the healthcare crises that we're having really? because of the foods. Oh, well, I, I mean, see. Yeah, okay, because yeah, okay. of fast food. Gotcha. And, you know, people being obese and metabolic disorders and things like that, eventually they're going to need to be, you know, in a nursing home. But yeah, I, I do think it's skewed. But I, I think that, you know, people – I question sometimes whether or not, you know, like, why – a, a CNA, right? A, a certified nurses assistant. They're 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 the staff that are doing a bulk of the the heavy load, the heavy work in our industry. And I question if I were that staff member, would I rather be under the stress and and in the conditions? Which it's not terrible. Don't get me wrong, but uh, would I rather be doing that job or would I rather be flipping burgers, not having to worry about people? Right. Because as a CNA, you're, you're taking care of people who need like it could be life or death. Right. right? You, you not taking care of a wound or, or reporting something or uh, which they don't. Anyway, I, I don't want to get down rabbit holes, but you, you're not doing something could affect a person, their health, possibly to the degree that that person could lose their life versus just like flipping a burger for the same amount of money or, or even just you know, cutting grass or whatever the case may be where you don't have that, that heavy concern of if you mess up, it's not that big of a deal. Right. But people do it. They're gravitated toward that, that line of work. And so that's where the, the, the money skews things, the dollar sign skews things, but there is still a, an internal drive or a, a wheelhouse of uh, job duties, I guess, of, of perspective that people come into that keeps them coming back to the healthcare field. 
it's it's what they're it's what they're good at. It's what they're drawn to. They gravitate toward helping people as opposed to just doing something a little more menial, even for the same money that wouldn't have the same ramifications or consequences that working with people does. Right. So it's it's interesting. I, I've contemplated that before, and uh, for people keep coming back. Thankfully, yeah. thankfully they do because we couldn't do it without them. Right. Well, couldn't hopefully, hopefully that trend keeps on an upward swing. Right. Yeah, we hope so. But anyway, lots to be thankful. Where are we at on time right now, Colt? Uh, we're at 58 minutes. We've almost yeah. knocked out an hour already, yeah. Right. So had more, but I guess you better. If, if the, let me, Let's talk about one more thing. And it might cut the other part down to make it not quite so long. But leading up to Thanksgiving, I wanted to mention as well, you know, I have been probably better on my diet, my nutrition over these past three or three months or so mm-hmm. than I have been probably ever in my life. Really? Right. So part of that, part of that is out of necessity because I'm about to turn 42 years old. The old metabolism ain't what it used to be. Right. <laughs> and so the, the fat on my body doesn't just melt off when I go out and, and get some exercise like it used to. Nowadays, it's a little more difficult to trim down and I, I, I want to trim down a bit. So my, it's, it's altered my gym experience a little bit as well. It, my, you know, my approach to working out, but I saved myself up for these past two days of festivities, right? Um, I was I was hitting it the diet really hard because I know that we're we're now in peanut butter fudge season. Okay, <laughs> the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas for me is peanut butter fudge season. Gotcha. And so there's that. But I also Thursday I didn't do too bad on my diet. Yesterday I ate a lot of junk, right? Not just turkey and ham and sweet potatoes and all that because I did all that too. But I also ate pie and I ate uh, what's called Christmas crack. I don't know if you're familiar with Christmas crack. I've heard of it. What is it? Yeah, well, it's it's similar to crack cocaine. Oh, okay. Okay, but there's no there's no narcotic or any kind of drug in it. It's it's simply puffed corn. That popcorn is is puffed corn. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Yeah. It comes in a blue bag with a tiger on it. Mm-hmm. But the, but and then you take almond bark, kind of like white chocolate, and you drizzle it over the puffed corn. And that's Christmas crack. Nice. And it is as addictive as any crack cocaine that one could ever smell. <laughs> right? It's it's fire. So I ate my I ate my share of that. I ate some pie. Um, ate ate some other sweets. And uh, but I, I felt okay about it. It was it was one big cheat day for me because I had been doing so well leading up to up to this this time. So but I made a conscious effort, and I was talking with our good friend Ace Ha out there in L.A. Uh, we were messaging back and forth, and I, I, we were kind of pumping each other up for this season. He might be just a little bit older than I am, around the same age, and uh, kind of pumping each up, uh, you know, pumping each other up for the season, talking about how we're going to. We know we're going to deviate from our current diet for the holiday season, but we were trying not to overdo it. And I can say that I'm, I was successful at that, not not overdoing it this this time. Even though I did I did delve into a lot of sweets and, and other foods. Right. How was how has your experience been so far for the holidays? Well, like I said, we haven't had a real Thanksgiving, really. I mean, as far as through the week, I'm my diet's pretty normally is pretty legit, and it's but it's mainly the same meals all the time. My work is a little different than yours as far as like I get strict breaks and things like that. That I, And so my body gets used to I have a meal at this time, I have a meal at this time, I have a meal at this time, which I don't think a lot of people understand. Like when it comes to the weekends and stuff like that, you know, I'm normally 
I get up at 2.30 every morning and I have a, and I eat breakfast before I go to the gym. And then I have another meal at like, you know, a little after six and then another meal at 8.15 and all that kind of stuff. So if it's the weekend and I wait and I don't wake up until eight o'clock in the morning, I normally I've had three meals by now already. So my stomach is hurting and I'm, I'm like, I need food now. And of course mm. the wife doesn't understand that. She's just like, well then just go eat something. Jesus Christ, get out of my face. So, you know, that, you know how that goes, but Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, yeah, I, my my diet's pretty legit. Weekends, I deviate a little bit. I've just come to the realization lately that I want to be healthy and I want and I still want to look good. But it's not like I'm doing this to step on stage or anything like that. I'm I'm doing this for the fun of lifting. I love lifting and to look good. Of course, I want to look good, but I'm not doing it for any other reason besides just being healthy. And I I don't say, you know, deviating a little bit here and there isn't going to make you an unhealthy person or going to reduce your life by any, you know what I'm saying? So I, for the longest time, I, I never, I never thought I would step on a stage to do anything, but I was a lot more into it. Almost like there was a possibility kind of, sort of, that mm-hmm. and, and, it, and I use that as kind of like a fuel as a fire to keep me motivated. But yeah, now I'm just kind of like a, I, I'm still motivated and stuff, but I'm just not, not as, as much as I was before. I still go, I still go to the gym. This last week's been really hard. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, I decided that I wanted to start, I wanted to try to start building strength on bench press and which was fine for about the first two weeks. But about about third week, my elbows hurt so freaking bad because I haven't done bench press in so long. I've been I've done dumbbells for so long, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't realize how much the bar hurt my elbows when I was benching. And what I was I was trying to make a conscious effort to every week go up a little bit in weight, and I wanted to see how long of a period of time I could keep doing that and, and still get a decent rep range before uh, before I I peaked and I couldn't do it anymore. Well, that lasted about four weeks. And the last time that I lifted the bar off of the bench, I didn't think I was going to be able to get it back because my left elbow hurt so bad. Mm. So last week, um, I I went in Monday and I did back and my elbows hurt so bad the rest of the day that I haven't been back in yet. Um, I'm pretty sure it's, it's considered epicondylitis, which is basically inflammation in your elbow. Um, so I've been icing the crap out of my elbows and I've been taking some, um, turmeric and curcumin to try to reduce some inflammation also. And I'm hoping, uh, I'm, they're feeling a little better now. I'm hoping that I can get back in there Monday and do some light stuff or worst case, at least get some blood flowing in them and around my elbows to try to help heal as much as possible before, but I'm going to have to take it slow for a couple of weeks before I can really try to hit anything hard again. So yeah. it's been, it's been a struggle that that's, that's the biggest struggle for me is having any kind of a tweak. You know, I've had like tendonitis on my knees before to where I couldn't do squats. I couldn't do anything with legs and I had to take some time off. You know, I've had some shoulder issues with my shoulders before that's had me taking time off. And that's the most, the thing that makes me struggle the most in it, it just, just in my mind, it makes me struggle the most when I, I want to be in there, but I can't, it's just, a, you can't even get in there and do lightweight stuff because you know that it. It's gonna. It can hurt you in the long run. You just need to take that extra week off or whatever. It's a, it's a mind fuck, as they say. It is. It is. I I absolutely hate when I have to take time out of the gym, and 
I've even for and for one thing, I, I I've always I shouldn't say always, but for the longest time I've had a problem with the bench press. It's so restrictive the movement. There's only so much you can do. I mean, it's 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 a broad movement, meaning that it uses you know, your chest and your shoulders broadly of your of your of your uh, form, mm-hmm. I guess. But I've I've just hated it. I just feel like it's so restrictive, and so I'm, I'm with you on the on the bench press. I I think that it's it's definitely useful. It's definitely a staple in weightlifting, obviously for obvious reasons. Just never been a big fan of it myself. But I am I am I have a different model in the gym right now, and so I've you know me when I do something I tend to overdo something, mm-hmm. and so I've noticed myself, you know, I, I don't have, I haven't had any injuries yet, but my back, my lower back, I do have problems with, I always feel better after I work out at the gym, I always feel better. But then I think later I pay for it after the adrenaline, you know, slows down, the endorphins aren't kicking in anymore. And then my back kicks back in with the pain. So I, I'm, I'm altering because I'm trying to slim down as well. And so if I don't have enough calories to burn going into the gym all the time, like I have been, I was going six, six, seven days a week for months, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just, and loving it. I'm like you, I love the act of lifting. I love being in there. I love exerting myself. Um, but like I said, I have a tendency to overdo it. And so I'm going in basically about three to four days a week now lifting. And I'm supplementing the rest of those times since I'd love being in the gym. And like you psychologically, it's torture. Not when I, when I can't go, right. right? I'm like, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm missing out. Like I didn't pay a bill or something. You know, it's that responsibility (laughs) in the back of my head is like, I I should be in the gym right now. I'm I'm cheating myself out of this time because you only have in our lifetimes, we only have so many times where we can go to the gym, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's a limited number of, of, you know, times that we have. Well, it's that routine. It's uh, that routine also when that routine's messed up. It's like yeah. everything else in your day is messed up because you you missed a part of it. Absolutely, yeah, it totally throws off your system. But I'm supplementing those times where I would what I would have been lifting before with cardio. Right. I'm just going in and I'm, I'm busting my my cardio out. That way, I'm getting hopefully plenty of that, and I usually do throughout the week, and getting my lift times in. And you've mentioned this before, though, because I, I have slimmed down. I've lost you know some some pounds, which I don't really count the the pounds but looking at myself i'm losing a lot of my my waistline that i had gained for a while and i'm trying to really trying to trim down i don't know if i could get you know what's paul carter called inside out um basically where you're just so trim that just peeled, it's peeled inside out yeah peeled, yeah inside out peeled that's it and uh, i don't think I, I'm, I'm gonna get like that but i have trimmed down a lot to where i'm starting to see a lot more form in my in my pack or not my pecs but my uh, abs and in my my side here is looking a, a lot greater than what it had been for a long time. Those love handles so are I'm going away. Yeah, they are, right? <laughs> they are. I, I didn't have a huge gut, but it was enough that if I took my shirt off, I felt like I I wanted it to be better, right? I wanted <laughs> I wanted it to look better. I have goals. If when I, I look in the mirror, it's like these got to go and that has to <laughs> shrink. And so I'm getting I'm reaching those goals, but I'm doing that by working out less because because of my nutrition because and, and there's probably some some better signs I could get to where I could grow and still trim down my gut at the same time. I'm not there. If if I am in the gym five six days a week, I have to be eating constantly because I need that energy to to fuel myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm I, since I had to switch that model of nutrition, I had to switch my model of working out anyway. Plus, I think it's better on my back not to be in there six seven days a week. Um, but I'm starting. I, I'm seeing a lot of definition happen though in in this process. Uh, things are popping in, in, in my different muscle groups 
so not working out so much isn't really affecting me in that way, right? It's mm-hmm. actually, I'm showing more definition. I know you've mentioned that before, how when you take a break, your muscles actually get bigger when, you, when you're when you not working yourself constantly because you're not constantly tearing yourself down. Right. You're giving yourself more recovery time, which that's actually where you build that muscle, right? right. Yeah. And so I'm seeing, I'm seeing that come to fruition, and that's nice. Yeah. I still struggle with cardio. It's just, it's one of those things. I, I've been doing it. When I can make it in there early enough in the mornings, um, I'll at least do 15 to 20 minutes before I start lifting. But a question that I had for you, do you, um, have you been going to the gym in the morning lately or evening? Um, it, it's here lately. It's been kind of split Okay. there for a while. I was, it was every morning. Um, before that previously, it was always in the afternoon, but here lately, it's just been when I can get there in the mornings, I do. Cause that's, that's my that's my prime time. That's my, it's when I like to do it. It sets my day off in a, mm-hmm. in a certain pattern. And I like that, but I've also been having to get the kids on the bus, yada, yada. And I can't do it till the afternoon. Evening. So do you, Why eat, do you ask? well, I've, I know I've asked this question before, but do you eat breakfast before or after you lift? That's another good point there. Because if I'm, if I'm going in in the morning to lift, I have to eat breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. I cannot go in without having food in my system because it's just, I'm going to fall flat. Right. And so when I am doing my intermittent fasting, I don't work out in the morning unless I'm doing cardio. So sometimes I'll go in the morning and do cardio and then not eat until like about, you know, 10, 11 o'clock in the afternoon. But I can't do that if I'm lifting. I have to eat something before I go in. Okay. And so I, I typically I try to fill I try to fill myself up with something, some some energy to burn before I go work out. Well, I mean, lifting with that's in well, the morning or afternoon. That, what you're doing actually makes sense. Like if you if you're going to go in and do cardio, if you're not eating before you do cardio, that's actually good because you're in the process of trying to burn fat in the first place. And if you don't have mm-hmm. something in your stomach, your body is going to have to burn fat because it's looking for an energy source to use to burn. If you have right. something in your stomach, it can use that while you're digesting it. It can use that to burn instead of instead of fat. Lifting, you're not really in. You're not trying to burn fat while you're lifting. You're you know you you've got different goals in different areas that you're doing it. So actually, what you're doing is probably about the best best route you can take. Yeah, I think that's been that's been a major driver behind my results too. That I've that I've been having. The only thing I question is whether or not the inconsistency in my system is affecting my body in a negative way. Meaning that some days I I lift in the morning, some days I lift in the afternoon. Therefore, my nutrition intake differs depending on whether I'm lifting that morning or not. And if that's throwing my body off, because as you, as you mentioned, you have a really set routine and your body's well adjusted to that routine. So therefore you can make fine tuning changes when you need to, because you, you're, you, you know, your body so well and you know, the routine so well, mine's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's hit or miss depending on when I'm working out. The, the routine can be an issue, but not necessarily. If you, if, if you're that worried about it, you can always do, you can always track everything that you're, you're taking in. I mean, if you're, if you know, you want to take in a certain amount of protein, fat and carb throughout the day, then, um, you know, track regardless of what day it is, whether you're doing a cardio day in the morning or you're doing a lifting in the evening or whatever, you know, as long as you're still taking in the same amount of stuff throughout the day, then you're, it's not going to really throw your routine off that much. But if, you know what I'm saying? Like it's different if you're tracking everything versus not tracking everything. And then just on those days that are different, your meals are different, what you're, 
you know, you're just taking in different amounts of things too. So mm-hmm. your body can stay more consistent as long as you're still ta- is it's still used to taking in the same amount every day versus smaller amount one day versus bigger amount the other. Yeah. And I, I need to track better. That's, that's one deficit I still really have is really tracking my nutrients. I, I don't very well. I don't track my calories very well. I do to some degree, but it's not, it's not as scientific. It's not as specific as if, if I would, since I'm on it, since I have goals and I know kind of what I'm looking for and I'm kind of fine tuning, you know, my workout routine versus my nutrition intake, things like that. It's still in a very general sense because I don't track very well. I think if I would turn up the knob on that a little bit on my, my nutrient tracking, I would definitely, I, I could benefit from that. And I think I'm, I'm disciplined enough now and I have a, a clear understanding of what my goals are now that I, that I could, that I could do that. To, to great benefit. And the longer, the longer you do it, the more in tune you're going to be with your body too. And you're going to know what affects you in, in different ways a lot better. Um, like me, I used to track my food a lot better than I do now. Now my routine is more of, I only have like 10 minute breaks at work. I have two 10 minute breaks and I have a half an hour lunch. So I shove a lot more food into my half an hour lunch than I do on my 10 minute breaks. But now I'm used to, I know how much food I can eat within 10 minutes. So I, I'm not necessarily tracking, I need this much protein, I need this much, you know, fats, whatever. I'm just like, I know I can fit this amount of food into 10 minutes, that's what I'm going to eat, and it's going to be healthy food. So that's my main, that's my main thing now. So I don't, mm-hmm. don't necessarily track everything down to the gram of protein and, and stuff like that, like I used to, but I, what I'm doing is still working, so I'm happy with yeah. it. I think, I think there are some, unless you are planning on going on stage, Unless you're really trying to make a a career out of your being in shape, whatever, uh, bodybuilding, then I think some generalizations are just fine. You know, knowing generally, like you say, what you can eat in in ten minutes isn't that good enough. I mean, do you have to know all of your macros coming in? Do you have to measure out every particular gram? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think to some degree you've got to make it as convenient and as not. Um, Let's see. You don't want to make it any more difficult than what it has to be, right? right? Because you don't want to you don't want to suck the fun out of staying in shape. Because staying in shape is good for you. You should do it whether or not you're having fun at it or not. But it's so much more enjoyable and it's so much easier when you actually have fun doing it. And that's that's I think that's one deficit I've always had with the diet part of it is that I, I I've never had fun trying to watch what I eat, trying to track my nutrients, things like that. I've always had fun being active, working out. It's always been enjoyable for me, but the diet part is not quite so much fun. So I need to make it as easy and as less difficult as possible. Right. Have you, and I know, I know, um, you're very big into learning as much as you can, as far as what you need to be doing and things like that. But you've probably learned enough now that you're comfortable, uh, teaching, not necessarily teaching, but if somebody comes to you and asks you a question and it's something that's in your wheelhouse that you know, or that you've done, you're comfortable telling them what you've done or whatever. I've noticed here lately, I've had quite a few people come up to me just in different scenarios. And I hate this conversation. I I will, if I know for a fact that somebody comes to me and says, I want to learn, or I, um, you know, what should I do here? Or I need to lose some weight or, or gain muscle or whatever. I, I will give any information that I can to them. But it drives me nuts when somebody comes up to me that I know for a fact is not going to listen to a freaking word that I say. And I've had this several times over the past uh, couple of weeks, really, 
like I had a guy come up to me and say, uh, you know, I went to the doctor the other day, got on the scale and I'm like, and he told me the number that he was. He's like, I'm the heaviest I've ever been. I need to lose some weight. He's like, where should I start? And I, I basically, I, the, the biggest thing when it comes to that, I always tell people is cut carbs and sugar first and see what happens. Let mm-hmm. just, that's, that's a good, a good starting point. Just cut those. And he was like, well, I stopped drinking soda. And I was like, well, that's a, that's a good start. There's a lot of sugar and soda. He's like, but I got to have my tea. And I'm like, you have to have your tea. He's like, yeah. And I was like, is it unsweet tea? And he goes, no. I'm like, then you should have just kept drinking soda. There's no, there's no difference. It's sugar. You probably have more sugar in your tea than you do in your, your soda. So it's that kind of a thing. It's like, I have to have my tea. Well, then you're not really worried about losing weight then, are you? I mean, and I, I get it. It's a, it's their routine. It's something they've always had there, but that conversation and then the conversation of, well, I used to be able to run miles and I used to be able to, to lift 400 pounds and this, that, and the other, but I just need to get back into it. Okay. Well, you're never going to get back into it. So why am I having this conversation with you right now? So Mm -hmm. yeah, I've just, I've just had those conversations here lately that I'm like, more it seems like more than not it's a conversation that i don't want to have because i don't want i'm wasting my time if i invest time into giving them information but on the flip side it's like if i do give you any information at least it's in the back of your head that if, if you do actually at some point in your life decide i'm going to make a change here's a starting point but yeah yeah yeah, it's kind of an exercise in futility. You're like, you're not going to apply this information, so I'm kind of wasting my breath right now. But you know, it, it reminds me of Scott McNally when he was on our show one time, probably during the series. He talked about, you know, emotional eating versus your goals, and that guy needs to get his goals in line with his behavior and, and get away from the emotion of sugar because sugar creates a, an emotional, you know. Um, condition in your body you're addicted to it we all have been probably to some degree or another in our culture and so you've got to get that out of your system like i think like you getting rid of the processed sugars is number one first thing bam the refined sugar has to go as much as possible now can i say i'm completely refined sugar free i am not right but i have cut so much of it out of my life that i know that is one of the major driving forces behind the gains that i'm seeing right now major is you've got to get that out of your life. You've got to be able to control your carb intake. You have to as well. I would put that as a close number two uh, because you can still eat way too much pasta and, and crap like that. And still, even if you cut out the refined sugar, you can still eat too much of the just the carbs and it'll destroy you. The bread, I would get rid of bread if I'm you. I am almost completely bread free. And that happened you know, partly because my house is, my, my daughter and my wife are both uh, gluten free by necessity. And so we just don't buy bread anymore. And I just, I don't eat bread. When I, when I cook a hamburger, I eat the burger and that's good enough for me. I don't want bread to compromise the integrity of that fine piece of beef that I love so much. I don't need anything else on it. You know, your your daughter, your your daughter has celiacs now too. Well, she, I don't know. They haven't diagnosed her with celiacs, but she has uh, eczema really badly. And this is a, it really just started happening over the past three years, three or four years. She started getting eczema like all over her hands. They just they get real dry and they crack and it kind of gets onto her arms and some other parts of her body, her feet. And uh, so the wife decided just to try to uh, put her on a gluten-free diet and it, it controls the eczema. Wow. My father-in-law also gets eczema from eating gluten. He, he is diagnosed with celiac disease. My wife is diagnosed with celiac disease, so it probably stands to reason that Kayla would be diagnosed with celiac disease as well. But we just haven't actually had her diagnosed. Right. Okay. 
but yeah, at any rate, that's those things, man. And I would have, I would also advise like for him, the thing about tea that's different than soda is that you can control the sugar content with the tea. Mm -hmm. So, so make it realistic. Don't just, cause I drink my tea unsweetened now, but it didn't start out that way. I used to start out with a, I used to have a bunch of sugar in my tea. Then I could just cut it in half. I was like, you know what? I don't need that much. Now I have no sugar. And so make it a process, you know, you to take your, put your, your sugar intake into the tea, cut it in half. And, and let your, let your palate get used to that. Let your palate get used to, cause I used to not be able to stand anything sugar-free like diet soda or these rock stars that I love so much, the sugar-free, I would just rather not drink anything if it was not going to have sugar in it. Nowadays I'm different because my palate has adjusted to that. Right. And you've got to allow, you've got to allow your, your body to do that. And it will. Now, if I drink a, a sugar soda, I can't hardly stand it. Or if I drink sugar tea, I can't stand it because right. it's just it's too sweet. I, my body rejects it. My mind rejects it nowadays. And that's where you want to be for the sake of your health. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, even uh, Paul Carter was talking about how diet soda isn't what everybody thinks it is. Like it doesn't have sugar in it. It doesn't have a, it doesn't have calories in it. So it's not going to spike your insulin. It's not going right. to give you, you know, they're, they're saying artificial sweeteners is gives your body the same effect as it does sugar. And it's it's not that's not accurate. That's not true. There's no actual real statistics that, you know, that show that that's true. So, mm -hmm. you know, I would rather see him drink diet soda, not all day long, but, you know, I have to imagine with somebody who says I have to have my tea, then that's an all day thing. I'm sure that tea is what he's drinking all day. I've seen plenty of people like that, but me, I take in a gallon of water or to work with me every day and, and I put myself in a situation to where that's all I have to drink especially during the summer and stuff like that, it's hot. It's going to be 100, 100 plus degrees in the area that I'm at. I, I force myself to be in a situation where water is the only thing that I have to drink. So, mm -hmm. so even if I don't, even if I want a soda, water is the only thing that's at my disposal right now. So that's what I'm going to drink. And then after a while of doing that, now that's actually what I crave. I'd rather, even when I'm at home, I would rather have a cold glass of water than anything else. When I wake up in the morning, a cold glass of water is the first thing that I drink, and it it's like heaven to me versus mm -hmm. drinking a soda or anything like that. Yeah. Same, same. I am a huge consumer of water. I, I drink a lot of water nowadays, and I used to not, though. In all transparency, I used to drink very little water. It was some soda. I've always been a soda drinker in my past. I don't touch this stuff nowadays. Unless every once in a while I mix a drink and I'm, I'm using diet soda now, which I never thought I would do, but um, I don't do that very often. But uh, it used to be Gatorade and soda and Kool-Aid, tea, anything but water. And now I'm str almost strictly water. Man, I think and I think about when I was a kid and stuff, and I know my parent my parents didn't know any better, but I used to put like if I I would eat Frosted Flakes that are already have so much sugar, and I would put my own sugar on top of it just so I could basically eat sugar milk at the bottom of my bowl. Yes. And the Kool-Aid had so much ungodly amounts of sugar in it because they let me make the Kool-Aid for some reason. That was ridiculous. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't even stir it. You couldn't, it was like a, basically a paste once you got to actually drink it because it had so much sugar in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. It's, it's it, it, you know, but going back to your, your first point, it's, it's strange that you mentioned people coming up to you for advice. Now, I guess it's not really strange for you, but for me it is because I've had a couple of people have approached me lately wanting wanting to know like my uh, my diet 
routine and some of my workout routine, things like that. And I always start out by saying, look, I don't know anything, right? It's like I get all my information from other people and I try to use that and see what works. So this isn't, you know, but I can tell you what, what has worked for me nowadays. And uh, I said, but you've got to find out what works for you. And I think that's where a lot of people get thrown off, mm-hmm. right? I think that's even where probably I had gotten thrown off some in the past because I want definite answers right now. Tell me what to do, how to do this to make it work. And I want it to happen as quickly as possible, right? I want it all and I want it now. And that's just not the way it works. I can tell you exactly what works for me and what doesn't work for me, but it might be a little different. Like, for instance, I think processed sugar, refined sugar for anybody is a bad idea, period. And we could talk about Paul Carter and how he, uh, you know, looks at trigger foods and how he takes that that negative stigma off of those foods uh, as being a bad food or not. It's just a food that's going to trigger you to eat more. And that's I like that point as well. But nevertheless, you've got to stay away from those things that are going to be detrimental to you as often as possible. Now, do you have a cheat day here and there? You should. Do you have a which I call my cheat days treat days because <laughs> I'm not actually cheating. Because it's part of the, it's part of my plan, right? right? If I deviate from my plan, then it's cheating. So my cheat meal is not a cheat meal; it's a treat meal. As long as I'm sticking to the system, but I, I think you've got to have that. I think you've got to reward yourself. I think we, we as human beings are made to process a certain amount of sugar, but we're not supposed to be getting that, that refined sugar. It should come from fruits and things like that. That we should, that we should take, and that that should be what burns our body. Other than that, though, your carb intake, your protein intake, all those things, I think it kind of just varies from person to person, depending also on your workload on the type of work you do on your job. So there's just so many variables, right? And so when people ask me that, I, I give them that. I'm like, hey, this is what's up. You have got to put in the work. You have got to do this yourself. You can listen to 100 podcasts from some of the greatest minds in bodybuilding and fitness and nutrition. And it's going to give you some great concepts, some great ideas. But until you actually do it yourself and put in the work, you have no idea how it's actually going to affect you. You you wouldn't believe the stories that I've heard of somebody who may pay a, a personal trainer or a coach for eight weeks and they they go through the whole thing. They look like they're in great shape at the end of the eight weeks, this, that, and the other. Now, all of a sudden, they think they can be a coach and they start start taking on people too. And they will copy and paste the same exact diet, workout, everything that they were given and give it to another person. That person doesn't get the results and you know, they got to have somebody to blame for it. And it's just, it's like you said, it depends on the person and you know, you can't give the same diet to somebody who's sitting at an office desk all day long. Um, the same diet that you're going to give somebody who's a construction worker, who's working on a roof all day long or whatever, right? It's just, they're burning different calories throughout the day. One person's barely burning anything. Um, you know, so I'm not saying that that diet can't help both of those people because it can, but you're not going to get the same results. And then even, even if, uh, you switch those roles and you put the, the construction worker, you know, in an office job and put the other person on the roof, still, it's not going to be the same. It's because you're, you metabolize things differently. Your body digests things differently. It's just, it just, it really just depends on who you are and it takes time. And that's what people don't want to, they don't want to think about. They don't, they want to know right now, this is what I need to get my, to get to my goals. And it's Mm -hmm. not a matter of not only do you, do you have to put in the effort to make this work, but you've also got to put in the time to learn what you need to do. 
So it's like extra time to learn what you need to do. And then once you've learned it, then you have to implement it. And that's going to take time as well. So it, that's where people give up. Yeah, that's right. I think that's a big, it's a big chunk of time that you're talking about, you know, because it takes a while for you to implement all that stuff to actually see if something's going to work and you might have to tweak things here and there. And you're not going to see great big changes, at least not for the most part. Some people might because everybody's body's different. Once again, it, they're all different. But um, for the most part, people aren't going to see big, significant changes right away. And that's what we're seeking. That's what I've always thought. I'm guilty. Everything you just said, I've been guilty of uh, in my past. And until I was actually I could focus and stay determined day in, day out, for a long period of time, staying in the gym, trying to stay on a good nutrition routine, things like that. That's the only time when you actually start seeing some some real results. At least at, you know, getting up into into the 40s, especially. I've got to put in the time and effort, or else I'm not going to see anything. Right? right? It doesn't happen like just when I was younger. You can see results a lot more quickly, of course, because your body is younger and whatnot. But um, you got to put in the time and work. That's my that's my biggest advice to people. And that that's right there is going to. I want to encourage them. But I don't want to tell fairy tales of unicorns and rainbows either because that's not the way it works. Right. If you're not willing to put in the time and effort, you're going to continue to walk around as a fat man or as an out of shape man. <laughs> right. Let's just be blunt. So and you're fine as a fat man. You, you could you could live, you could thrive, whatever. But if you don't put in the work, that's where you're going to stay. So you might as well just hunker down, and get used to it. Stay at McDonald's. Oh, man. If you're not willing to put in the time and the work, you're going to walk around as a fat man. That's that's gold right there. Uh, it's, I think it should be on a T-shirt. <laughs> I mean, we're putting them out there. We just need a design. We'll, we got this down. By the way, go, go to buyjack.com slash CEP and pick Absolutely. you up some CEP merch, man. It's good stuff. We've got a lot of stuff going on right now um, with, with a new merch. We've got the T-shirts and the koozies. We're seeing a lot of the shirts get out there on social media. We've been having some great guests. I know we've got some more that we're working on some mm -hmm. more in line. Um, love having the folks that we've had on look looking forward to uh, what the future holds. And, you know, we're, we're looking into guests and uh, of course the bodybuilding and fitness nutrition uh, category. We're also looking for more comedians. And I had a great time last week talking with our friend Joe Burrow and his story was, was fantastic. And that's going to cut It's going to drop this Monday. And so just a lot of great stuff coming at you. Um, having a good time doing it. And so, Cold, any, any final words, any words of wisdom that you can part on us to go on our way? I don't think so. I think you pretty much summed it up with your gold that you gave us just a minute ago. I'm, I, yeah. I, I, I wish that we should have just stopped talking after you said that and just let the episode go. <laughs> we can always work that out in post-production, man. Just cut it off right there and lead right into the bumper music. So, All right, man. Good stuff. Absolutely. Happy Happy Thanksgiving. Back at you. All right. Thank you to all of our listeners, all you Cerebralites out there on Planet Cerebral. We love you. Please keep coming back. Uh, remember that word of mouth is like oxygen in our lungs. So be sure to tell your friends and fam about our humble yet completely fantastic show. Do this so that we can keep breathing, right? Also remember to subscribe to the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download all of those shows that you hold near and dear to your hearts. And don't forget that you can also download the show at the launching pad for all things Cerebral at thecepodcast.com. 
Be sure to show us all your love and affection on the socials. Contact us at cerebral at thecepodcast.com. And don't forget to go buy some t-shirts at buyjack.com slash CEP. So until we meet again, please, please remember to keep your brains warm out there. See ya.